0: Uh, so we wanted to reach out to you and invite you to something that we've talked about for a long time, which is, invite you kind of into our meetings as staff, um, as we sit at our table every Friday morning and talk through where we're at and where the world's at and praying through things, and so uh, yeah, we wanted to invite you to that. Uh, I'm Matt Shockney, the lead pastor, and next to me is...
1: I'm Brian Hillard, I'm the youth pastor.
2: I'm Luke Bellotta, I am the communications guy. And I'm Jason Snyder, I'm the Associate Pastor,
3: Worship worship Arts Pastor.
0: And so uh, that's our team uh, that we uh, wanted to just take some time to come before you in the midst of this and kind of hopefully bring some hope, uh, bring some joy, bring some truth, uh, just to talk through what you may be feeling and invite you into into our world a little bit. Before I get started, I want to take a moment and uh, pray for us, and then we'll dive in with some scripture and then we'll just let the conversation take us where it, where it goes uh, to honor the Lord and what he wants us to do. So let's pray. Jesus, you taught us to pray um, to our Father in heaven. And so, Father, we, we pray to you. We pray for where you're at because we're not there. We're on this earth, and this earth is a, is a hard place. And we long, we long for this world to be right again. We long for you to come again, Jesus, and make it right. But while we wait, we cry out to our Father in heaven. We cry out for ourselves. We cry out for our loved ones, for our church, and for our city and the people around us. And so we do that. And We want your name to be honored as holy. Or we don't want other things to be honored above you. It's all about you. It's all about our surrender to you. And you being holy, you want us to, to live holy and pure lives before you. You want us to understand what that really means and not the twisted nature that people make it to mean in our world today. Lord, we look forward to your kingdom coming. We want your kingdom to come. We know that when it does come, that uh, anyone who doesn't know you is not going to be able to stand before you. So we want people to know you. It's why we're doing this podcast. It's why we live our lives. It's why we... Tell people about you. We want your kingdom to come and we want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And right now we know that doesn't happen. That we don't do your will so often and we thank you for your grace. That'll point us to the heaven that's to come, the new earth that's to come. Lord, we pray for you to provide today for our daily bread. People are kind of in a panic and store shelves are running thin. And so Lord, we just confess our desperate need just for the simple things of life, just just bread, water, uh, those, those simple issues that we take for granted. But at times like these, we realize we, we really need to, to remember wh- whose hand they come from. And then Lord, we pray for you to forgive us of our debts as we forgive those who who have uh, debts against us. And that, uh, we ask you to move and to work and to, to bring forgiveness to our to our world, and a world that's just looking to be selfish and to get what we can. But we pray that it'd be proper forgiveness. It'd be forgiveness based on repentance and love and compassion. And then, Lord, we ask that you not bring us into temptation. Help us in the midst of what we're dealing with right now, not to be tempted to, to do things that aren't honoring to you, not to be tempted to, to try to clamor for our own lives and our, our own safety and protection and security instead of looking to you and looking to others above ourselves, And then, Lord, we we need your deliverance. We need you to deliver us from the evil one. And we live in an evil world. We live in a world full of disease and war and chaos. And so we we claim your deliverance one day will be true in heaven. And we ask you to deliver us now. And, Lord, we acknowledge that everything's yours, the whole kingdom. All the power and all the glory is yours and will be forever. Amen. Amen. So I want to jump in a little bit here and, and start with uh, Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a book that we've preached through as a church. You can find that on our podcast um, uh, before and in, in the past. And it's a book that really was my call to ministry, uh, that Jeremiah and, and being willing to live a life and and have a ministry like Jeremiah had, would would I be willing to do that? And um, it's just something that, that I've wrestled with, and in Jeremiah 29, um, starting even at the top of verse 1, it says, this is the text of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the rest of the elders of the exiles, the priests, prophets, and all the people Nebuchadnezzar had deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. Um, this letter was delivered to to a wicked king. God's people had not lived according to God's promises. They would not done what God wanted them to. To do, and God, in the midst of His covenant, decided, "Hey, it's time for Me to bring some discipline in." And we don't know if if that's what's going on here, with what we're facing. Um, We live in a broken, cruel world, and uh, but the reality is that that this is what God said in the midst of His people having a major crisis. Their city had been destroyed. They were slaves now in Babylon in captivity. Their structures, their economic structures, their authority structures, their worship structure, the temple, being able to meet together had been torn down. Um, They were left wondering, what do we do now? And, And this is what God told them through the prophet Jeremiah. It said, this is what the Lord of hosts, and the Lord of hosts means the Lord who has armies at his disposal. The God of Israel says to all the exiles, I deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. Verse five, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens, eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to men in marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there, do not decrease. Seek the welfare of the city I've deported you to and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For when it has prosperity, you will prosper. For this is what the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel says, do not let your prophets Who are among you and your diviners deceive you and don't listen to the dreams you elicit from them. For they are prophesying falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them. This is the Lord's declaration. For this is what the Lord says. When 70 years for Babylon are complete, I will attend to you. I will confirm my promise concerning you to restore you to this place. For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your welfare, not for disaster. To give you a hope and a future. You will call to me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. That passage of scripture is something that we talk a lot as a staff team um, often. That we don't live in the promised land. We live in captivity. We're captive in these bodies that are dying. All of us are going to be called home to stand before the Lord one day. And we know this, nobody gets out of this world alive. And so we understand that living in these bodies of death, we need to be people that that point people to life, that God is coming again. Christ is going to come again. The Bible says that that he came the first time to die for us, to lay down his life and then be resurrected to prove that he had the keys to life. He ascended to heaven and he's going to come again. And so they had to wait 70 years. We've been waiting almost 2000 and we still wait. And they had to do things that were simple, build gardens, produce, take wives and sons and daughters. And, and so they lived in that mess and did simple things. And that's what we want you to think through during this time that we may not be able to gather just like they didn't gather at the temple. We, we can't gather because our city has closed down the community center we rent. Um, and we'll give some backstory to why we rent and do that. But that's kind of where we're at. And this should encourage us because we know that God did come back after 70 years. He did bring his people back through Ezra, through Esther, through Nehemiah. He, he brought his people back to the land to show them that that he knows the times and periods he's set by his own authority uh, and we're to be his witnesses to a broken world and it's probably gonna be costly. It may cost us money, it may cost us our lives, but we have a hope that the world longs for and a hope for life. And so I just kind of share that with you out front and uh, um, I'll let the guys kind of speak and, and take it from there as, as this is kind of what we do in our normal staff meetings. I normally will go on a little bit of a rant Use some scripture, and then we'll start talking through that together as a team. So you guys can chime in.
3: Well, and picking up off of that, uh, how many of our homes or homes that we've been into is Jeremiah 2911 sitting on the wall, it's on the artwork, it's on the, we, we've even got a coffee mug that somebody gave us or that we bought somewhere that, that's got Jeremiah 2911 written on it. Um, and, and in the context of that, we, we always forget to go back a few verses to now tell me again exactly what those plans are, because we like to dream them up, we like to make them up. Uh, I'm going to have a you know a beautiful spouse and, and and lots of children who obey me and a high paid <laughs> job, and th- those are the plans that God's going to have for me, right? That's what we cling to, and that's that's what a lot of churches teach. But uh, unfortunately for us, like what, what's happening in in our world today with. Uh, with the coronavirus is, is reminding us to, to go back up a few verses, reminding us of cap- captivity, reminding us that the plans included, um, you know, doing, doing simple things just to try to exist uh, with the hope one day of, of leaving the captivity that, that you're in and moving beyond that. And that's not a popular message in our culture today, but, but that was Jeremiah's message. And, and, and I think those, those slogans on our walls now, have a, a, an entirely different context as we're as we're going through the things that that we face today in our culture
1: yeah I mean for me personally when I've been thinking about the the coronavirus it's I, I'm constantly how do I manipulate this situation that is evil and, and turn it into something that's good towards God I, I think of Genesis 50 one of my favorite stories in the Bible is is reading through the life of Joseph mm. um, it's someone who I would consider to be a Christ type um, obviously he was a human he was someone who sinned but the, the Bible actually never discusses Joseph committing a sin at all in the entire Bible and I think that when he has a moment where he's confronting his brothers and I asked my kids this, this this week if someone wronged you and sold you into slavery and told your father you were dead and you had the opportunity to pay them back what would you do and I, I asked Adria in front of Jace, what would you do to Jace? And I asked Jace, my son, what he would do to Adria. And both of them said they would sell the other person into slavery. <laughs> <laughs> and and they, they weren't shy. I think Adria said it because I asked Jace first, and she thought that was a funny response. But, uh, you know, we read Genesis fifty nineteen, and, and he says, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me, but God planned it good for you to bring the present result, the survival of many people. And I think this is a situation where there's a a deadly virus, and I think Satan is trying to use that situation to bring out evil. We've got churches all across our state and all across the nation that are shut down right now. But if we're following God, how can we manipulate that situation to work out to good, even though it's intended for evil? And, you know, me and Matt were talking before we came in there in my life there's been three situations in the United States where people actually want to talk about death. Uh, You know, The first one was September 11th when I was 11 years old. Normally when you have a conversation about the end of times, what's going to happen, you're sharing the gospel with somebody, you can see that look in people's face of, how do I end this conversation as quickly as possible? Because that's what people want to do. They want to get out of that conversation. But after September 11th, all of a sudden people are talking about, Hey, what's going to happen after we die? Because that was a huge, huge wake-up call. Um, For me in in a personal situation, the second time in my life was whenever I went to Afghanistan and the Marines. um, When you're in the military and we're in a situation in the infantry where we were getting shot at on a daily basis, all of a sudden having a conversation about death was a lot more real than it was before I went. And there's people who I was in the military with who were openly atheist, people who were agnostic and didn't know. And all of a sudden, you know, when we're in the heart of combat at night, we're having very real conversations about what's going to happen after we die. And then this is probably the third time in my life I can think of where we're happening. We're actually having a willing dialogue in the United States of are we going to die? What is going to happen if a lot of people die? This is the third time. and I want to use that situation. How do I manipulate it to honor God? And so I'm at work, and suddenly conversations I've not been able to have, A, because I I lead a restaurant, I'm a restaurant (coughs) manager, and there are limitations to what I can share. But now there's an open willingness to have a dialogue. And that's been my goal. I hope if you're listening, be thinking about, hey, this is an evil situation. That's certainly not for good. But we have a great opportunity to, to share the gospel to people who suddenly are interested in what's going to happen and that that's encouraging to me even though we're in a, a, a rough situation as a country
2: and this has kind of been like Brian was saying I've been thinking through and we've talked about this a little bit at staff meeting too is just the different scenarios where we've seen the world react in this kind of way we talked about maybe Y2K I don't remember that but that was a time where it was only a one day thing where everyone stocked up bought all the things but then as soon as the year 2000 hit it kind of went back to normal but this is an extended period. How old were you for Y2K? (laughs) So I'm 22 years old as of uh, March 14th today uh, 2020 and so I, I was born in 1997 so three I don't remember it in the slightest. But of stories <laughs> I've held from I've held from those older than me, um, but this has been an interesting time just to see kind of people of my age and my generation truly have to almost grapple with something that's out of their power that they have no control over. But at the same time, like really come face to face with something that could like cause us to die, and that's scary. But it's also good because it is like Brian was saying, causing people to really kind of think through their life and think through what would happen if we were to die. We're kind of at the beginning. We're looking forward to graduation. We're seeing things, but then all of a sudden, coronavirus comes out of nowhere, and and suddenly everything's changed, and so I've seen a lot of people be very, very anxious. I mean, people are going to the stores. They're freaking out. I've had people call off work um, because they're too scared to give uh, a tour or be around people from all around the world. They're too nervous about what they might um, catch, and I I understand that, but I also think we as believers, we should be, we we can't be anxious during this time, and it really shows, like, where our heart's set based on how we talk, and we know that this life we don't get out alive and we need to be focused on the next life and we can be anxious for those around us that don't know christ knowing that if they were to die that they wouldn't go to heaven and that should cause us fear and should encourage us to go share but at the same time we as believers we can't be anxious because we know christ and we know we've been given everything on the other side of this life we have eternal life with christ and so um, any fear that we have here should just be fear for those that don't know christ because if we die here we die and we'll be in heaven, and it's a way better place. And so I kind of thought of the passage in Matthew 6, kind of talking about anxiety, Just Matthew 6, verses 25 um, through, the on, through the end. But this is why I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body or what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add a single cubit to his height by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Learn how the wild flowers of the fields grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. Mm. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, when will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the idolaters eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided to you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about, it, about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. So just in that, as believers, like, there's work to be done even through this, still loving our neighbors and sharing the gospel, but at the same time, we can't be anxious. We can't be leading the fear and the charge of anxiety that we see in the Internet and all the panic in the world. We need to be the ones that are calm because we know what's after this life.
0: And I think, Luke, what you said, I mean, as Luke was speaking, actually Brian laughed because if if you know, Brian's the shortest guy on our team, Uh, right, Brian? Yeah, Yeah. unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) So he was like, I wish I could add a cubit to my height. So uh, (laughs) we were kind of laughing there for a second. But what Luke said I think is good because it goes with Jeremiah, right? Because Jeremiah says, you will seek me, right? And and so I I, I think that idea of, in the midst of knowing we live in chaos and mess, it's like i still seek god i don 't i don't pull back I, I I lean in even more to trusting in him and just so you guys know you know these times're really exposing what jeremiah twenty nine eleven like Jason said, mm-hmm. really means what do we really what really do we have planned what do we really hope for what future do we really want and what 's happening is we're realizing that those aren't good. Those don't last. The, the, the future I thought I was going to get, I'm not, that may not have graduation for you, mm-hmm. Luke. Like, you may not walk yeah. and graduate. There may not be one. You know, the, the hope I had, well, there's a, that that's maybe gone now for a little while. Like, and so it's exposing what we really think life should be like. And even for Christians, we find this. We're finding this, the stuff you see on social media, on the internet, um, I, I think it has, as Jeremiah says here a lot of false prophets, that there are a lot of Christians who have run around and and taught false things. They haven't helped people think 70 years out, because remember, we talked about this numerous times. Anybody hearing this message that Jeremiah wrote and gave to a wicked king that came and annihilated his people and put them in captivity is going to die without seeing these plans happen. Very few people, if any, are going to survive 70 years. If you're five years old, right, and you hear 70 years and knowing that people didn't live that long back then at this time period, and they're living in captivity, which means they're not eating well, they're not, like, they're being, their bodies are being abused, everybody's reading this and saying, then why even do it? Why even do all the effort and make all the effort if I'm just going to die in 70 years? Well, then that shows you that your hopes, your plans, and your future isn't about you. It's about somebody else. It's about those that are going to follow you. This week, I, I taught on Thursday at a, at a ministry, and this was one of the passages I taught from. And one of the things that they do at this ministry, it's a, it's a discipleship ministry for men uh, that come there and they live there, is that they chop wood. And if you know anything about chopping wood, you know that when you split wood, you can't burn it. It has to season So you're always splitting and chopping wood for the next group of guys that's coming into the ministry for the next season or the season after that, because sometimes it has to take a year to two, even two years to cure. So, you know, you're doing all this work, backbreaking work, splitting logs, cutting trees, doing all this because they heat with a wood furnace. They're out in the country, knowing that not a single log you split is for you and knowing that all the logs that are sitting out there that keep you warm this winter are from other guys that gave their life to split wood for you, to give you a hope and a future to be here in this ministry. And so I think, too, we just have to be careful with the false teaching that's out there. And our church strives hard to to teach right things, and it costs us often because we're just honest with people up front. I mean, that's why we aren't able to meet in our own building and facility right now because there are lies we've chosen not to believe about our world. What are some of those lies that that we talk about often here at our table?
1: Um, My generation, the the millennial generation, um, I'm born in 1990, so I kind of fall in the older half, so I don't have to listen to the jokes made about millennials because I can pretend I'm not one. (laughs) Uh, But we have this live for today moment and not, you know, YOLO has become an older saying. I don't think people use it as much, but that was like, the the theme of my generation for a while you only live once why not enjoy what you got right now Mm -hmm. and i think if if anything has taught us we need to financially and physically prepare ourselves for a potential situation that is out of our control this has been a big wake-up call for my generation if if you you know if if you're running low on food and toilet paper and you have 27 dollars in your bank account you're you're going to run into a problem and that's that's something if you've if you've read the bible and you've prepared during the good seasons for the bad seasons and you have chosen not to believe that lie you you walk into this situation a lot more prepared even though it's not something we could have predicted, you're still prepared for it in that way. Well, what
3: what did back to the Joseph story? Yeah, what, what, what was Joseph's calling, and and what was the moment? You know, we're in the Book of Esther right now, and mm-hmm. we talk about for such a time as this is the the buzz phrase that gets used to to capture kind of Esther's story. Even though we didn't choose that as our title, but with with Joseph, it was for such a time as this that he wrote. What what did he do?
1: Yeah, I mean, he was sitting in in jail and had interpreted two people's dreams. One of them was the the wine taster for the the king, and suddenly the king has a dream. His moment is no one can interpret this dream, and the wine taster remembers Joseph in jail who can interpret dreams. And he says, hey, you're going to have seven years of prosperity, if I remember right, and then you're going to have seven years of famine. And because he had a plan that no one else had on here's how we can prepare for the famine, God actually gave him control of the entire country that he was once in jail in. Yeah, that's something that I've thought about a lot with Joseph. He was, he had his moment of preparation when nobody else did, and an ability that God had given him that nobody else had, and that's led to his situation.
3: Right. Yeah, I think another lie, like that, um, you know, we, we we try to push against is is the lie that you need a facility to, to define mm-hmm. your existence, or or somehow that in the New Testament the the facility is the the sanctuary of god it's the dwelling place of god uh, you know jesus we, we talk about all the time at the staff table that uh he prophesied the destruction of the temple jerusalem said no stone's going to be left oh. sitting on, on on top of one another they're, they're going to be com- completely scattered uh, and we see throughout the pages of scripture you know the the temple and the, the, the holy objects you know from the temple being carted off as we talked about and you know from uh the king of babylon in, in the book of jeremiah Never to be seen again. We, we don't know where Noah's yeah. Ark is. We, mm-hmm. we like to watch the movie where, where they find it, and then uh, you know, everybody yeah. gets uh, fried <laughs> by the, the <laughs> holy power that, that exists within it. Which but it doesn't, uh, but yeah. There's, right. there's no evidence that that's what it, yeah, Exactly. But where, where does the Bible say that, that the temple of the Lord has moved to uh, You know, in, in, in the New Testament, in, in Paul's writing? And, and we forget this in our, our facility discussions. It, it's within the... Yeah. Heart. The, the heart, the, the believers, the, the yeah. heart of, of the believer. And Ezekiel
0: yeah. 37 said that was going to happen. God was going to take our hearts of stone and turn them into hearts of flesh. He was going to put his spirit within us, yeah. you know, which is when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Bible says that we are then indwelt with the Holy Spirit. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. That we we now, where two or more are gathered, Jesus says he's there. Like he's present with us. In other words, that's the gathering. It's, it's why even in this time, we still need to try to gather together. We need to respect. We want to honor Caesar as much as we can honor Caesar, as Jesus said with money, and, and honor God as much as we can honor God. And and know that if we stand up to Caesar, there are consequences to that. And know that, that that we want to honor the Lord and what he says to do. And we're not going to live in legalism, which is why we're not trying to find a way to gather together. And we're going to huddle in my front yard in the cold and put on your sweaters. And, you know, because we just have to be together. We can be together through phone calls, through through FaceTime, through, through still visiting one another, being careful, though, when we visit, that if we're vil- visiting elderly people, we're sick people, that, right. that we're careful with that during this season, that we, that we act wise um, because, as Paul says in Ephesians, because the days are evil. He says, you better be wise because the days are evil. Like There's going to come a day when everything crashes and, and you need to be prepared as someone who's ready for that day. And we live in a time where the false teachers tell us that, you know, your your best life is now, you know, and get as much as you can. And God just wants to bless you and give you so much versus the rich young ruler, right, who comes to Jesus struggling with the fact that he doesn't feel like he has eternal life. He's not sure about the future. He's not sure about his hopes. He's not sure about God's plans in his life. And he says, how can I know that I have eternal life? And Jesus says, well, go sell all you have and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. Now, granted, Jesus didn't teach anybody else that. He had money bags that when he sent the disciples out, he handed them each a bag of money. That's a lot of money he had on his person. Right. Like so. so but that guy, he knew his heart and it said he went away weeping because he was very rich. Like, like the, he, he got right to his heart and said, dude, this is why you don't feel like you know me. There's something else you're seeking. Like Jeremiah, there's something else, there's another hope, there's another future, there's another plan you're longing for that isn't mine. And, and I have to challenge that. And, you know, we joke around at the staff table all the time. Can you imagine the rich young ruler after Jesus has died, been resurrected, ascended into heaven, coming back to Peter in the early church in Acts and being like, hey, I want to join now. Peter wouldn't be like, oh yeah, come on in and bring all your wealth and riches with you. He'd be like, well, did you do what Jesus told you to do like six months ago or a year ago? Did you <laughs> celebrate, you read it? Like he would hold him accountable. And that's the issue with the false teachers I see in Jeremiah. It's this idea that we just all need to, to get along and not confront anything and, and not deal with the reality of, of what's happening in our world and how we're called to be surrendered suffering servants. You know, like Jesus, that he emptied himself of his rights, Philippians says. Um, He emptied himself of that so that he could be a savior to the world, and he calls us to empty ourselves, our flesh, our selfishness, and to live for his spirit. So again, it goes back to what are those hopes and plans and futures you think you want, and and this is a time that that gets exposed, you know, quite often. Um, and, And it's a time that exposes our lack of preparation, you know, that we've been thinking it's just the best life now and I just keep going and doing what I want to do. We've been listening to teachers as Timothy Paul says to Timothy that tickle our ears, right? That, that tell us what we want to hear. We don't want to hear a message like this. We don't want to hear a message from our president from the world that says 3% of people are going to die. By the way, it's not 30. In Revelation we see a plague that's going to kill 30%. It, it's only 3, but still if 45 million people were to get this like people get the flu in our country, that's a million three hundred and fifty thousand people in our country, Dad. That should break our hearts. That should cause us to pray for the welfare of our of our city, to, to think about how we interact in a way that, that is careful with people, but loves them and points them to the hope of Christ. So I just those are some things I think are important too. And, and the reason we don't have a building and we can't just choose to meet is because we choose to seek the welfare of a community center in our city. We, we choose to, to pay them, we choose to give. 15 percent last year it was almost 17 percent with our missions offering of of every dollar that we receive away which causes all of us at this table if for those of you who might be listening and not know our church well all of us are bivocational we we have other jobs we do to seek the welfare of our city and our families and the church so that we can leverage what we do for his kingdom we're not a perfect church there are things i wish we did better there are things i wish i did better and that's why we need god's grace but there are reasons why we don't want to be in debt. We, we we fight against debt because we know that it means you're going to be locked up for years, and we don't want that for people's lives. Sometimes it's unavoidable, y- y- medical debt, for example. And but but other than that, most of it's choices that we make to to want a future hope. And then these are moments when things start tanking that that gets exposed.
3: And, and by the way, it's uh, it's really tough to give away 17 percent missions when you're giving 17 percent to the bank and, and paying for interest on the facility like it's a it's a choice that you know that we make and continue to make and you know we we know of some churches uh you know in the the greater indianapolis uh area we, we were talking to a pastor who was sitting at a table with people from his denomination and and big churches were were making the decision to go against caesar's decree we, we talk about caesar as you know, the, the arm of the government, whoever that is. You know, Caesar's kind of the New Testament term, and we use that term generically, but uh, they're going against Caesar's decree and uh, holding services with more than 250 people present. And and we all know the reason why. It's because of the, the building payment that, that they have, that they have to make, and the fear that if they don't gather everybody together, that somehow they're not going to be able to, to make that mortgage payment. And, and it's also the decision to have... Um, you know, full-time staff that, that aren't out in the community that, that don't cho- choose to serve bivocationally, that you're not going to be able to, to pay your, your staff well. We've just made other decisions as a church, not not that we're, uh, you know, standing in judgment of what other churches are doing. And and by the way, we, we don't think buildings are evil. We we like buildings. We're, we're thankful <laughs> yeah, that I'm glad we, we we're have M1. buildings yeah. to live in. We have winters. <laughs> we have winters we here. Have winters in Bloomington. <laughs> And, and we're very thankful that that God in in all of his <laughs> y- you know um, um, omniscience that um th- that he prepared a, a community center over a hundred years ago, mm-hmm. n- knowing that a hundred years later there was going to be a group of believers that would need a place to to tabernacle and to gather together and we've got the opportunity to to meet in that week after week and to 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 serve the community that that we're in but um but but we approach disasters and situations like this um w- with a different amount of preparation a different amount of mindset a Jeremiah 29 context seeking the welfare of the city having having the ability to not gather trusting our people to continue to give even if we don't meet uh being able to give to missions um you know specifically because we, we don't have that overhead
0: well that we have missionaries on the field right now right. around the world that are trying to minister in their communities and if if we don't continue to trust God, and we've not put ourselves in a in a way financially that we can trust God and continue to give, those missionaries are, are they don't have the resources they need to take care of the people where they're at. Um, uh, you know, our partners we we send out almost five thousand missionaries uh, around the globe through our partnerships, and so th- those are things that it, it's not a motivation for us to survive as a church. Us around this table, we most of us here are debt free, except maybe for our house. Jason, your house is paid off, but you know, we strive to be people that, that can bless others and have lived our lives. So we can weather this storm probably better than, than some people can. And our church as well, because we have other occupations that that, that that we know we can serve the body of Christ and get through this. But there are people who don't, and they're hurting, they're struggling. I think of the pastor suicide rate in our country that skyrocketed because we've built a system that isn't a jeremiah 29 system right it's these hopes and futures and plans and you build on all this and one day you wake up and realize as a pastor what have i built this is killing me i I can't keep i can't keep this going because it's it's just not practical Uh, a book was written recently i won't give too much credit to the author but talking about how the church needs to change that that the church throughout history has been a house church right like meet in homes, that we've taken the Old Testament temple structure and slapped it back on a New Testament covenant, and now we're kind of back to having to meet in homes. And isn't that a good thing? Like, isn't it good to kind of say, do we really need all these trappings? No, we don't. We don't need to worry, like you said, Luke. We, we don't need to worry. We can move in and out of relationship with one another. And so if, if you're one of our church members and you're listening to this, like, pick up the phone. Call. You know, write a note to somebody in in our congregation, the one anothers, and just encourage them. I'm going to be doing that this week. I've, I've got a plan to, to write some notes and and to try to contact some people that I know may be struggling through this. And if you don't get a note from me, don't think it's because I don't care about you or love you. <laughs> my like, I'm not my my wife might not get a note. I mean, I, I forget things all the time. I'm, it's not because I'm leaving you out. It's just we need to kind of weather through this and. There's a scripture that talks about uh, the fact that, that, that we're supposed to not stay away from our worship meetings, as some habitually do, but encouraging each other all the more as you see the day drawing near. That's Hebrews 10. And so there are people that are using that, or Hebrews 10, sorry, Hebrews 10, 25. There are people that are using that verse right now to, to, to say we can gather. And, and I'm not judging them. I'm not, you do what you need to do. I'm not going to go against that. But if you again go back to the context of this verse and the context it was written in, their worship meetings weren't meeting in giant buildings. Their worship meetings were in catacombs. Yeah. Right. Where dead bodies were that had disease.
1: So we're going to have church at Rose Hill Cemetery. <laughs> no, <that's laughs> yeah. Like inside like, mausoleum number 2. <laughs> like their their their
0: services were in one another's homes. Like they were inviting people in and in this day when you invited people in who were suffering like you were reaching the street urchin you were reaching the broken they were bringing disease in your home leprosy and so while we might have taken a pause on our regroups and to kind of just take a moment to think through this and 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 think about it we're going to re-engage meeting together and and we don't want you to not meet together i'm still going to meet with people this week i'm still going to call them i'm still going to and you know what if, if i get sick i get sick the church was known for most of its history of being the people who died for others because they got the sicknesses of the people they were caring for. That, that's, that's what the church was known for. Matter of fact, in two, around 200 B.C. or A.D., you have the Roman government and the Roman pagan government saying to the pagan um, spiritual leaders, you've got to do a better job because the Christians are killing us in taking care of people and the Christians didn't have facilities and the pagans did the Christians didn't have any facilities to take care of people. That means you were opening up a bed for people in your home. Yeah. And and so I think we need, to, we, we've pressed pause this week and, and we want to kind of bring this message to you, but we also want you to look in your heart and say, you know, what is the, the hope and the future that you have? What are you not willing to lay on the line? Is it your own children? Why well, don't want my kids to get sick? God says his son took on our infirmities and died for us. That, that's what he did. That, that's our message. I may not like it. It may bug me. But that's the truth of the message that that I have um, to share, that we have to share. is the gospel.
3: Yeah.
0: What else kind of sparks your your thoughts or running through your mind as we kind of walk through this. It's different for us because we've got mics, so we typically interrupt each other and laugh a lot more, but we know it'll overwhelm the podcast, so we want you to be able to follow along.
3: Well, you know, I think one of the things that we like to do at FX Church is put biblical context to things that happen in our culture, and, you know, as a few years back with the the Paris bombings uh, that that took place from, uh, you know, radical extreme uh, Muslim terrorists that, uh, you know, we'd, we'd open up the pages of scripture and go back to, to the story of Abraham and, and the struggle that existed there with uh, being told at an old age that, that he would, uh, you know, he would have a child and that his descendants would be as numerous as, as the stars if you were to be able to, to count them in the sky or the or the sands on, on the on the shoreline. And, um, you know, the, the struggle that has unfolded for thousands of years since that is you got a group of people, the the, the Jews and the Christians that believe the child of promise is, uh, it goes by the name of, of, of Isaac. And then you, you've got a, another religion, uh, you know, Islam built upon the, the idea that, well, no, the child of promise really uh, is Ishmael. And that struggle has has ensued. And it, uh, you know, it, it leads to a, a lot of the struggles that we face today. And, and and the thing I don't hear people talking about enough is um, with, with what's going on right now, uh, where, where did the microbes come from? You know, there, there's the debate. Where did the coronavirus <laughs> yeah. come from? Yeah. Was, was it doctored in a lab? Was it, uh, you know, was it in a marketplace? Uh, but, but, but beyond that, just generally speaking, uh, where, did, where did microbes come from? And, you know, as, as believers who hold the Bible to, you know, to, to be inerrant, we go back to the pages of Scripture. Uh, we, we find in, in Genesis 1-1 that God created the heavens and the earth. And then there's a story of, of seven days unfolding, whether they were literal days, whether they were thousand-year days, or, you know, wh- whatever the case was. Uh, there was a creation process that takes place, but, but we get the sense that creation uh, stopped, that, that, that it was a process that happened. There's not a creation 2.0, a creation 3.0, where there's additional stories in Scripture of, uh, of things that, that, that are coming about, uh, you know, existence with within our, our, our created world. John 1 1 uh, and verses following in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The word was God. Of course, the word is, is Jesus, the son. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through yeah, him. Yeah. All things were created through him. Yeah. And apart from him, not one thing was created that is that has been created. We, we like to ask the questions all the time. I mean, we do in our family. I don't know about your families. Why did God create ants? Mosquitoes. You know, mosquitoes, mosquitoes, man, yeah. that's yeah. mosquitoes. <laughs> scorpions, <laughs> like the, there's this growing that like, cauliflower. Like, did cauliflower really have to be? Hey, created? now I like cauliflower. I, I sell cauliflower for five ninety nine, so <laughs> I'm and a fan. It, you know, and, and even science will tell us, like it, it's all about balance. It's all about ecosystems. If you take one thing out uh, of the ecosystem, that it can wreak yeah. havoc on the ecosystem. Uh, wh- where do microbes fit into this? And, and if you think about the fact that, that a microbe really, it's kind of like an assassin, right? Like its its task is is to destroy and, and to wreak havoc. And, and I think you can go all the way back to the Genesis story, and I, I don't hear this talked about anywhere. It, you know, in chapters 2 and 3, we, we hear about a couple of different trees that exist, and, and a perfect holy God just gives one command to, to the first man and woman and says, eat from any tree that you want except this one the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he makes the statement that for the day that you eat of that is the day that you surely will die. And and we don't know all that, that happened from within that fruit, but but we know that when they took of it, uh, there were biochemical changes that took place within the brain of Adam and Eve, right? Because instantly they were aware of a new set of realities of, of yeah. good and evil and, and decisions that they made, and they felt shame and they felt disgrace. Uh, instantly fear fear they started justifying decisions that like there was a whole new th- set of things that were thrust upon them by a, a change that happened in their brain and, and and i just wonder if another change that, that maybe we don't talk about enough is uh it, is this idea and this change that w- when god created the, the world that that he put uh you, you know something in place that that he knew that the day may come that he would have to have a curse, and his his agent agents of the curse. One of those it could be the microbes that were created. That you know, when they were cast out of the garden, that second tree, the tree of life. Uh, you know, maybe that replenished their DNA. Maybe that kept their human DNA perfect in a way that they could always fight off microbes and other things that that existed. But as they were banished from that, uh, you know, we find ourselves living in a world where. We're now under a curse. The, the man was given a curse. The, the woman was given a curse. The snake was given a curse. The the created order was given a curse, and and that's where we find ourselves today. Good, good, bad, right or wrong, you know, is, is this of God? Is is God trying to do something? Um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to make that statement. I he hasn't told me that. I, I don't have enough that's information. Right. Yeah. Uh, but what we do like to talk about all the time at FX Church is this idea that that w- when God puts His hand on on his people that things are always better and and when his hand uh, provision comes off and, y- and you can't see me on the podcast as i as i lift my hand off the <laughs> table and raise it up a, a visual that matt will use often um uh, he, he doesn't have to do anything to to create havoc in in the world it it's going to exist without without his hand you yeah know, penetrating in, into our lives and so um you know, I, I think it just it goes without saying that to put today into culture, uh, it, you know, into the, the into the pages of Scripture and to give it context, uh, that th- these set of events haven't taken God by surprise. No. Uh, he he didn't, you know, he didn't go to sleep and wake up um, one morning and be like, oh, crud, we forgot to, you know, to, to do something to, you know, to shield the earth from this catastrophe. And um and, and it, it's a part of the created order that that we see and you know so so what do we do with that um and you know that's that's kind of the point of what we're talking about back to you know jeremiah 29 and um and, and and i was drawn to i don't know if you got the uh if anybody subscribes to the ken boa email ken ken boa um, you can see him at kenboa.org he's a um, uh one of our devotional partners that we uh that we've got linked up on our website, he sent out a, uh, uh, an excerpt from, uh, from C.S. Lewis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mm-hmm. read that. And uh, it was written in 1948, and the context of it was living in an atomic age, and, and you could certainly replace atomic age, atomic bomb with coronavirus, it, it, any other sort of catastrophe that, that has existed since the dawn of, of mankind. And I'll just read a, a couple of the uh, the paragraphs uh, from the excerpt that was sent out. In one way, uh, this is C.S. Lewis. In one way, we think a great deal too much of the, you know, insert catastrophe, atomic bomb in this case, uh, 1948. How are we to live in an atomic age? I am tempted to reply why, as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any <laughs> night. Or indeed, as you are already living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. Mm-hmm. You know, We could add to that an age of the coronavirus. And, and skipping to the end, this is the first point to be made. And the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, as he's writing, let the bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things. The Jeremiah 29 things that that we've already read. Praying, working, uh, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over... uh, a, a pint and a game of darts not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs they may break our bodies uh, and kind of in a, a prophetic sense to today's discussion in parentheses he says a microbe can do that but they need not dominate our minds
0: that's good
1: yeah yeah i, I was just thinking on the the way here on on that theme Obviously, the the numbers will increase from where we're currently standing, but I think when I was walking up, we're at 46 people in the United States who have died from the coronavirus, and I was thinking, like, I I wonder, compared to other things, where does that rate so far? And I I looked uh, at 2019, 52 people died getting struck by lightning. I'm like have you ever decided i'm not going to go outside today i'm not going to go to work cuz you got struck by lightning it's too dangerous Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know the the risk is too high that i might get struck by lightning and die and, yeah. and i just think do do i want to change th- the thing that's concerned me is i think that the fear of the worst possible outcome is the reality we decided to live in and let's just go ahead and act like the worst possible thing is happening now and I don't want to be that type of person. I want to be more like what C.S. Lewis is doing. If it's going to happen, I might as well live my life in the way I was living it before instead of living in fear. That's the thing that's probably bothered me the most with the entire pandemic scares. I think the scare has been worse so far, at least, than the actual virus itself.
0: Well, and, too, you know, it's like we... we somebody posted the other day about... I saw on social media, like, does it bother you that we're having to tell people to wash their hands? Yeah. Like... <laughs> Like that, we're having to make this huge <laughs> emphasis. Like that bothers me. What were we doing before? Yeah. Like, and and again, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to give. You know, my, my brother runs runs a hospital network, and and this is really hard for him. I mean, he they are struggling. They're they're watching people that 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 are going to die. They're going to have to care for people. Those caretakers and doctors and nurses are going to be exposed and go home and expose their sons and daughters. And there are cancer patients in the hospital, and like it, th- these are. Things we have to be wise with. But as believers, why, don't be surprised, Paul, Peter says, by the fiery ordeal that you're in. And at that time, Christians were being arrested and impaled on sticks and boiled in oil and lit on fire to light Nero's roads. Like, It was, it was just so evil. Um, and, and he's like, don't be surprised by that. And we live in a false teaching, right? Like Jeremiah talks about, Jesus confronted false teaching. We have all the letters of Paul because there was false teaching and Paul kept having to write letters to the church to clarify what's true and what's not. He even called out false teachers by name, and we can still read their names to this day on a piece of paper. So we need to be careful who and what we're listening to, right? What we're taking in. And when you're listening to, to the to the prosperity healer people, you know, my brother would love for all the healing Christian, you know. People who have the gift of healing, pastors, he would love for them to come to the hospital if they truly have that gift of healing and lay hands and heal all those people. Right. I, I, but we don't. That's not what happens anymore. Um, we had a church in our town that that canceled their healing study, like when this broke out. Like, like think about that for a minute, and that should that should cause you to. To go back to this kind of passage in Jeremiah or Paul's letters or Jesus' words and look at Scripture and ask yourself, "What, what does God say? Not what is some person, not us four at this table telling you right now. But open the pages of Scripture and dive in. And when you don't understand something, don't just make it up. Like, do some more study. Ask questions. Now, is there miraculous healing? Absolutely. I watched my sister be miraculously healed at a Presbyterian potluck dinner, right? Like, like there wasn't some big healing flashy thing. They, there was a potluck happening in the basement. My sister was in a turban in a bathrobe, laying in a pew on the front row. And she was sick by the smell. And they were eating downstairs, and it clicked for them. Why are we rejoicing and eating when our sister's dying? And they just walked upstairs, laid hands on her, prayed for her. And she was miraculously healed. She... She no longer took her medicine and went to the doctor and he was like, I don't know how you got healed. Now, the first time she got healed, she was healed because she followed every doctor order, almost died from the chemo. She she was willing to submit to the rulers and authorities around her and and the, the wisdom. But the second time she was healed. The second time was miraculous. The third time was the greatest miracle. She's in heaven with Jesus right now. She died from cancer, the third time having it, trusting her Savior when she was trusting in doctors, trusting her Savior when she was trusting in the prayers of the church, and trusting her Savior to meet him face-to-face. And now I'm jealous because I would like to be there. Like, I'm in the middle of this mess. It'd be great to just be with Jesus right now. Like, And there's moments when I look at God and I say, why am I still here and she gets to be with you? Like, it's a joke in our family, you know? And But I'm here because God's, wants me to prepare for the next generation, to to live in a way that doesn't say, look at all we have and look at what all we can do, but look at what our God has done and what he's going to do and what he can do now if he chooses to. But I can't make him do what I want. And I think that's a really key teaching that that people get deceived by because there's this thing we want and false teachers know that, that we want this thing and then they market it to us. They convince us we have to have it. Is it wrong to have nice things? No, it's not. God wants to bless, but when we begin to put those above Him and we say that that blessing is bigger than Him, whether that's houses or kids or marriages or anything else, like when we begin to to put those as idols, God hates idols, and He begins to tear those down in our life. And that's what we're seeing today. God's challenging our idols. Like, what what are you? Re- are you still going to believe in me when? There's no economy when you may not eat tomorrow. Like You may get sick because you're taking care of someone. Those are those are hard teachings we don't like to hear today. Yeah.
3: Well, and, and you mentioned the washing of hands. And, and we've got, in our family, we've got somebody that we have to tell all the time, hey, have you washed your hands? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <We'll> wash your <laughs> you. Do you, you want to call them, you by name? <laughs> 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 Maybe, call them out by name? Do not call them out by name. Do not do that. H- him yeah. or her <laughs> <Yeah>. shall, shall <laughs> remain nameless. But you know it 's just interesting, we talk about all the time that that, that the more science progresses that, that the more science finds out to be true, the more it aligns with god 's word not mm-hmm. not the opposite. Mm-hmm. people think the opposite, oh, that science disproves the Bible. Think about the things that we 're being told to do in our culture today by by Caesar um, yeah. in, you know by by the governor by the c d c by by our city. Um, look back at the book of Leviticus, which is on the podcast we studied that. Seven, eight years ago, um, we were at the Bloomington Playwrights Project. Uh, I remember they had a bathtub in, in their in their set, and, and Matt was having to preach from a bathtub, uh, you know, t- talking through the book of Leviticus. God actually knew about the microbes that existed, and, and in the law that he wrote, the, the perfect law that he gave the people under his covenant, he dealt with the very things. That we are dealing with today, and that our our scientists are telling us to do today really simple things like um like wash your hands like social containment what what was it that, that was in the law what what did they need to do when somebody was unclean, yeah. separate themselves don't go ha- have a period of waiting you know for them it was seven days for us you know with what we 're facing today it's you know it's fourteen or you know or twenty one days. Uh, some of the schools, uh, you know, are gone with, etc. Um, you know, don't don't eat birds of prey. Don't don't eat bottom feeding animals. Don't eat um, don't eat pork, A- as an example. We, we didn't we didn't know about the microbe called trichinosis until until we had the microscope and had the eye of God and we could see the things that only God could see. Up, up until that By the moment. way, we can eat pork
0: now, according to the New Testament. Right, right. That, but yes, yeah.
3: and, and we know how to cook it well. Yes, yeah, correct. Yeah, not yeah. raw. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least Brian knows how to cook it well. I, I don't know that I could cook pork well. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the, the very things that Leviticus lays out are, are specifically because God knew about the microbes that, that we didn't know about, that, that he didn't tell us about, that the, the human authors that he chose to use to write the pages of Scripture— they, they couldn't see or know about with their own eyes, and so it didn't get written into the pages of scripture. But it, the things that are happening that He's protecting His people from uh, protected His people through, throughout, you know, multiple ages of plagues to the point that the the Israelites were accused of being the perpetrators, like of, of the Black Plague, because why are your people surviving and living? You don't have a death rate at all when when the death rate is so high outside of yep. the confines of your communities you must be responsible why well they, they didn't know about microbes but they they served a god that knew about microbes that told them to live their lives a certain way and if you follow my commands by the way y- you know you you'll live a long time you'll you'll be prosperous in the land in which you are if you ignore my word if you ignore my commands then you know, all bets are off. My, my hand is coming off of you.
0: Oh, and by the way, that that wasn't for necessarily salvation, right? Like, right. it wasn't if you do all these things, you're saved and you're a better person and you're awesome and I'm going to do. No, he still said you're cursed and you need to wait for me to bring my Messiah. And they still to this day in, in Jerusalem and the Jews are looking for that Messiah, right? But they don't believe Jesus was the Messiah, we do. And so yeah. it, we now if we ignore, I'm not going to, I'm going to touch a dead body, which You'd be seven days unclean. Back then it was, well, that's why I'm never going to touch a dead. No, you still need to embalm people. You need to, to have some respect for the body. But just know that when you go touch the next person, there are consequences. Well, that sounds really familiar. Like we still need to care for people, but just recognize that you live in a broken world. But there there are these these boundaries that you have to have. I think about what you shared about the meme that, that you saw.
2: Luke yeah, James, James four eight. Yeah. Yeah, it was like. Uh, what is it? It was the Bible. It was somebody posted on Instagram it was like the Bible has had the answer the whole time, and it was a highlighted passage of James four eight, which says, "Wash your hands, sinners." <laughs> and like if that's not the truth, I mean, it's always been there.
0: Yeah, and so I I think you know as we kind of wrap up, we're we're kind of hitting the the moment here. We've we've been going for about an hour. We we want to take some time to to unpack some of this with you and. And no, we're not singing songs right now. We would encourage you to, to <laughs> sing songs. Thank goodness. Yeah, Brian's, Brian's <laughs> grateful. Mute forward. our mics. Just the yeah. four of <laughs> just, us just and just a jason microphone. Jason and I could probably do pretty well. You know, we, we you know, but I, uh, anyway. And we need to make a <laughs> joyful noise. So, but I don't be afraid to look at our song list uh, online that we have there. Uh, don't be afraid to, to worship yourself, to pull up some music and sing with your families. Um, don't be afraid to to uh, rejoice, to pray together, to just do the simple things that, that you would do and, and invite some other people to do it with you. Maybe make a phone call, pray with somebody, share a word with them, what you learned in the Bible today. And and I would encourage you to share this podcast with people that you think might be encouraged by it. Um, we we don't have all the answers, but we do have the answer in Christ and a new future heaven a new home. And so I would just encourage you to, to kind of grab on to to the hope in him and we'll have services again. Um, they might look different. We 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 don't know what the future holds, but we may be asking you to connect with people in homes and organize that. All we're doing right now is to just give a moment of pause for us to to, to try to honor Caesar, for us to try to be be responsible citizens and then and then we'll we'll figure this out as we as we move forward um, and seek Seek the God of Abraham, seek the God of Isaac, seek the God of Jacob, and seek uh, the Father who who we have access to because of the Son taking our prayers. And and above all, just be in prayer as we see here. There are people all around you that don't have this hope. We're we're to pray for the prosperity of our city, even if our city is wicked. Babylon was wicked. Nebuchadnezzar was, they were way more wicked than Bloomington. I Trust mm-hmm. me. Now, Bloomington's got some issues. They were way worse. They were murdering people and causing war. But Bloomington isn't sending out armies to kill the surrounding cities. Right. So, so let's give pause and, and to pray for its behalf and, and to recognize that, that it's not about us and our prosperity. It's about we want people to have another moment to be able to surrender to Jesus. And if he's not come back yet, there's still more time for us to repent and to call other people to to repentance and, and knowing him. As we close, does, does anybody else have anything else they want to close with? What,
2: one plug I just want to throw in as we wind down is as things, this situation unfolds, it's still evolving. Just if you haven't been online yet, go to our 411 page. Any If you ever have questions about what's going on with FX and what our next steps are going to be, everything will be posted on there at fxchurch.com slash 411. It's got all of the staff contacts on there during the situation. Please don't hesitate to contact us. We can pray with you, talk with you. If you need things, we're here for you. Um, You can also do prayer requests. You can see um, our current series. You can see our devotionals, different things like that. There's lots of information on there. I would encourage you to check out if you ever have questions. Um, Please, again, don't hesitate to reach out. Follow us on social media, different things like that. It's kind of just one piece of information I'd point you guys to throughout this process. And where was that again? fxchurch.com. Slash four one one. Where was
3: that, Jason? Yeah, fxchurch.com slash four one one. Yeah, I always get it wrong. Yeah, That's Matt, why you should so. ask yourself, <laughs> "What <laughs> is no, don't do it?"
2: Don't do it. Don't <laughs> do it. Don't Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well,
0: hey, we're we're really glad you guys chose to take the time uh, to to listen in. We hope we've been an encouragement to you and that we've brought some some peace to you. Let me let me pray us out. And uh, again, as Luke said, our, our phone numbers are there. Call us, text us, any of us. Um, some of us work full-time. I, I'm kind of the, the full-time, part-time guy, uh, full-time with the church, part-time. Jason and, and Brian are more part-time with the church and full-time other places. But, but we'll, tr- we'll do our best to get back with you and to pray with you, to visit you. If you need, if you need us to visit you. And, and so um, with that, let me, let me pray for us. Father, we come before you and we surrender our hopes, our plans, and our futures into your hands. We thank you for the confidence to know that you're coming again and that if we seek you, we'll find you. We thank you that we can have a confidence that the world longs for, that we can have a joy in the midst of chaos that, that goes deeper than just our circumstances and how we feel. It really goes to the heart of, of our souls. And so, Father, help us to to know that. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. I pray that if someone listening to this podcast doesn't know you, they've not surrendered their life to you to be the payment for their sins, that that if they stand before you now, they're going to have to give an, an account of what they've done with their life. And any of us, if we have to do that, are in trouble. But because of your death, you said, yes, I need to bring justice on you but I'm gonna pay the price for you if you'll just accept it. And so, Father, we believe that. Jesus, thank you for modeling that. Help us to be that kind of person and then help us to know that the Holy Spirit is with us through this time. He is our comforter. He is our truth. He is our guide. And we give you praise for that. Lord, help us to serve you well in the midst of chaos, just like the people were called to do in Jeremiah's day. Help us to not get caught up in the false teachings around us, but to truly be your people, seeking your face. We give you praise. We thank you. We pray all this in your precious name, because it means you are the Yahweh who saves us, and we need saving. Amen.
3: Amen. All right. Now, before we go, uh, we want to we want to leave you with some humor. Oh, oh boy! <laughs> we got this from uh, from Betty Bray. She. She knew we She's must. one of our saints.
0: She's one of our intercessors. She, uh, she sometimes can't get to church. She can't gather with us often. And she is an incredible prayer warrior mm-hmm. for us and writes notes of encouragement. And this is one of those notes.
3: Uh, she knew we needed some humor today. And this is from Tom Rainer, uh, you know, a, a partner guy. He, he was dean of, uh, the, the Billy Graham school back, back during Joanna and my seminary days. Uh, he, uh, He does a lot of studies, online studies. Uh, He he asks church leaders, asks ministers, asks churchgoers alike to share the best excuses that they've heard for skipping church. And, you know, I I feel like this is very appropriate to ask today because we kind of got this new reason, right? Um, Mm -hmm. The coronavirus is why I'm skipping church. The Caesar's decree is is why we can't gather. Uh, You know, they closed down our our meeting location. We have more than 250, you know, some churches, et cetera. Uh, But here are some of the other answers you guys each somebody read one yeah
0: you, you go and then i'll i'll do next
3: I, I couldn't get the lid off the peanut butter
0: the church is too close to drive and it's too far to walk
1: <laughs> um the youth pastor is too attractive that says uh, <laughs> that does not the, say you. the pastor is too attractive <laughs> when i see him preaching i have impure thoughts and i'm distracted <laughs> uh both of my girlfriends attend church there <laughs> these are don, terrible don, 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 yeah D- does annie know about this uh, <laughs> you
3: know yeah. annie's, annie's luke's beyonce getting yeah married, she is so. yeah uh i mean this is a problem we have all the time the pastor stays in the bible too much
0: Oof. oh that's Oof. that's a brutal one that's actually very true okay the pastors. oh wait my wife cooked bacon for breakfast and our entire family smelled like bacon so that's something joanna would say yeah,
1: like yeah. She, she can't stand <laughs> the smell of bacon someone called me brother instead of using my name <laughs>
0: <laughs> luke's looking for uh,
2: yeah uh <laughs> oh gosh i got this one <laughs> <laughs> i always get hemorrhoids on Sundays. oh that's just terrible that's, that's tough that's p- oh. but that's a medical yeah. reason that's yeah a, that's, that's, a fair. that's <laughs> fair that's
3: fair and last one here we go the worship Left leader for you. Uh, fill in the blank uh, this one says pulls up his pants too often it's distracting that, that's probably not me maybe maybe i sniffle too much or i don't know what my nervous tics are you guys have to
0: Yeah, we won't go there right now. We we love you too much. So, hey, we're we're, again. We're grateful. Um, We we encourage you to worship today. Just worship your God, love Him, and uh, get ready for what He has for you uh, for eternity, and serve the people around you during this time.